Hey, welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host. And this week, guess what? London is calling. Uh, we are talking about the Kickstarter for the eagerly anticipated sequel, Deadbeats 2, London Calling from A Wave Blue World. And joining me to discuss this project along with the other cool stuff and things that have been going on with A Wave Blue World uh, since uh, it's been about a year since we talked last, co-founder and co-publisher of A Wave Blue World, Tyler Chintaner. Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's a great thing about Kickstarters. Uh, we uh, can talk every year. Catch up. Exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I've been looking forward to this. I, I was uh, uh, really excited when you reached out and said, hey, man, we're doing Deadbeats 2. <laughs> and I, uh, I I, appreciate this uh, this annual tradition that we've landed on, uh, talking about the latest Kickstarter from Wave Blue World and just uh, just kind of talking about the the state of the world and the state of comics. And, and there's um, all kinds of stuff that we're going to um, unpack during our conversation here. Here this afternoon one before we get into the new book um mm -hmm. because every show is somebody's first show potentially very briefly could you let folks know what a wave blue world is and maybe a little bit about what sets you guys apart from uh perhaps some of the other independent publishers yeah well wave blue world is a publishing company that i founded when i was still in art school i had one more year to go in the keyword school and I knew I just wanted to do my own thing, right? I didn't, as much as I loved lots of different comics when I was younger, I was really here to tell my my own story, comics with a message. You know, so I started off, it was basically like a self-publisher, which is why the name was so funny, because I almost like didn't care, didn't care as much. But then things sort of grew with digital and um, Kickstarter and anthologies, and we're still not huge, you know? I mean, at most we'll do eight books a year, maybe two anthologies, some creator-owned stuff, some specialty projects. You know, I mean, the short thing of who we are is we're, we do comics and graphic novels that have some sort of message about the world. You know, there's a global community about humanity, about society, about culture, something like that. It's pretty broad, you know, try not to hit people too over the head. I mean, some yeah. things can be very straightforward and, and political or, or this or that, but for most part, we deal in different genres and just want things that are great reads for, for people, you know? And, mm -hmm. and I think that's what we try to do, you know, whether it's Deadbeats or an anthology with tons of creators or something that I wrote and worked with an artist on that's just near and dear to my heart. That's how I would describe it as well is independent arts that's culturally relevant. Right. That's yeah. that that's kind of what I what I think of uh when I think of a wave blue world. But I also uh more than that, I think of family. Um, a Wave Blue World is very much a, a family affair, a family business, and a and a family of creators. And I don't know if I've come across a publisher with that same pedigree as a as a Wave Blue World. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's different. I know there's some brothers that have published together and probably some connections here or there. But yeah, I founded a Wave Blue World the same year uh, I got married to Wendy, who's my co-publisher. Co we got married in July 2005. I founded the company in September. Uh, my daughter was born two years later. So she went to her first convention at four months old. <laughs> um been keeping her around you know She's, i mean she just took to it right away we have a younger daughter now that she really gets into it too so i mean we'll see if it's something they do but i think they definitely love 
being part of it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's great to have my wife, like, you know, right there with me too. Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of who we are. And, and we try to keep that sort of feel, you know, through other creators that, that come and publish with us with anthologies or, or anything like that. I think that's just a really special thing about uh, what we're doing. So let's let's talk about some of the books. Like, uh, uh, for example, I've uh, uh, during uh, my show, I've uh, supported the Kickstarter campaigns for um, All We Ever Wanted, Stories of a Better World, and its sequel, uh, maybe someday. But then there was a, a couple years ago, uh, Deadbeats, which yeah. is basically a spooky Halloween themed uh, music based anthology. Let me know if I'm describing this correctly. I I, I kind of describe it as basically Deadbeats is kind of like a it's a it's a music shop of enchanted items, each with right. their own uh, various type of stories, and that's what the anthology of Deadbeats is about. Is kind of the story of some of these objects curated by the shopkeeper, uh, right. the, uh, the the character and and kind of narrator of sorts of deadbeats and that was a really fun book that was uh that that was uh definitely great for the halloween times a lot of folks seem to really pick up on the vibes of what uh what deadbeats was putting down yeah yeah the vibe really resonated with a lot of people i think it was fun for one we were able to have a great character like the shopkeeper to introduce it all and tie everything together. With anthologies, it can be t- tough to sort of show people on a cover or what this is about. So she really allowed us, you know, to put her on the cover and people to see somebody they can relate to or want to read about. And then she takes, you know, she has a part in the whole anthology as we tell all these different stories by different creators. She's the one sort of giving the tour, you know, of it. And so. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just think, you know, for an anthology, it's really a cool way to, to tie everything together so people can really identify with, oh, okay, what am I reading? Oh, the shopkeeper and these haunting yeah. musical instruments. Yeah. It's a neat concept. And I remember when we talked about it a couple of years ago that I I compared it to Twilight Zone in that like the, yeah. the shopkeeper is very much a Rod Serling type figure yeah. that that kind of is the connective tissue between all of the, the various stories in the anthology, which uh, uh, which was really, really cool. But now coming up on June First, the Kickstarter for Deadbeats 2 London Calling launches. And I thought before we get deeper into uh, some of the other uh, projects that are going on with the Wave Blue World that folks can check out, let's uh, let's talk about this, uh, this upcoming Kickstarter and perhaps uh, what readers can expect when they back that project. So, I mean, much like the first one, the shopkeeper is the main character. Instead of running her shop, in the States, which was the first one, she's off to London in search of even more items of haunted past, artifacts, instruments, things that we can tell stories. And that's where all the creators come in. You know, we've got another 20 something stories, so 50 creators who are telling oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, it's a big, big list. You know, it's great uh, to be able to get so many people on and just a lot of talent established. Veteran talent, new up-and-comers, people getting their you know first go in this anthology, all telling really fun, spooky stories. You know, I like to use the word spooky instead of horror because I don't want it's not slasher, it's not too gory. Um, can definitely get dark and like 
I don't know, like spooky scary, you know, for sure, which is what we want to yeah. do. But we also keep, you know, a lot of the fun, the energy to it because, uh, you know, it's got that musical element and, and uh, you know, I, it, I wouldn't say it's for kids by any means, but I mean, we don't, you know, for like a, a preteen teen that likes to read up much like I read Born Again and Dark Knight and stuff, you know, I think it's yeah. totally, totally appropriate for that. Yeah, the horror really comes from the story, you know, the mystery yeah. of, of, of what it is. And you're like, oh, you know, the effect that it has on the people and the, the history that it brings with it. You had mentioned that the the shopkeeper, the the character, the lead character, if you will, of uh, Deadbeats, the proprietor of Deadbeats, is um, off to London and in search of uh, new items. I I had the opportunity to take a look at some preview pages that you sent me uh, prior to this interview. There's actually a a full story in there that I had the opportunity to read that I don't think I can spoil here, but I really enjoyed it, involving a, a bright talented uh, young singer who happens to be blind and the producer, which actually kind of resonates with me as well, but the, uh, the, the music producer and the choices that they've made that leads them to a, a certain predicament. I really, really enjoyed that story that I had the opportunity to read that in full, but I also got to see some uh, preview pages of some of the other stories and it, it strikes me for what I've seen that the scope of the story of deadbeats is larger in terms of these various talismans and objects that, that the shopkeeper is encountering, including like in very olden times, the, the advantage uh, I would imagine of, moving the story to Europe, uh, specifically London, there's a depth of history that you might not necessarily get uh, setting it in uh, contemporary America. So I I guess what what I would like to ask then is, I guess, first, what what was the motivation for doing a sequel to Deadbeats? I mean, you could have done any number of other projects, but from that also... What were some of the deciding factors of why, you know, why London? Yeah. So why we did a uh, sequel was just um, not just the success, I would say, but the way that the theme and the the vibe of the anthology really resonated with people that we knew they wanted more. You know, we didn't want to like kill the theme, but we thought there was plenty of scope for more stories and more creators to come in. But if we were going to do that, we wanted to open it up a little bit. So we weren't just rehashing kind of the same things. And so we thought about it and like, well, you know, I mean, London just is like a nice place to situate it, you know, where she can go, but it's not, doesn't have to take place in London or even the UK. I mean, you know, there's auction houses and things are brought in. And and so it really opens it up both globally, but also, as you mentioned, time period wise, too. Let's go back yeah. in, in history a little bit more, you know, especially since this is about, you know, mysterious origins and stuff. So, like, yeah. you know, maybe there are some items that have been around for for years and years or centuries even. And uh, yeah, that just gave more opportunity. So we invited these new creators in and was like, try to expand their playground a little bit more. Like, hey, you know, anything that fits within this theme, you know, time period, anywhere in the world, you know, do whatever you want. Remind me, did you have a story in in Deadbeats? Yep, yep. I got a story in in both 
the first one and this upcoming one. Because yeah, I I was going to ask you about that. I uh, I had the opportunity to look at uh, uh, some just gorgeous watercolors uh, in those in those preview pages, and I heard that that's actually your story. And I was wondering if we could talk about that. I would love to. Yeah. So Morgan Beam was the artist who did those beautiful watercolors. I just worked with her. Well, not directly uh, in my previous anthology, Embodied, which I didn't have a story in. Those are those poetry and art combined. And, and right. she did uh, tapestry. It turned out beautifully. So when I wrote this story for Dead Beats 2, and I thought, well, who could do this story, which takes place in old world England, you know, medieval, medieval times. Um, you know, reached out for her and, and the concept really grabbed her and she was excited to do it. So we did this story I called The First Violin, which is the the origin of, of the first violin, which is not really the origin of the violin. <laughs> we did no research about how the violin was, was invented, but I'm sure it's not this story, which features fairies and princesses and, and knights and, and, and fighting and things like that. But I took like a grim fairy tale like take on on this concept. Wanted to do an instrument to fit with the theme, and and came up with with a story that called on a lot of things, you know, magic and revenge. And actually, the original version I wrote was a lot nicer than this one. But then I realized, I remembered it was a horror anthology, and I <laughs> so I made the twist a lot darker at the end, which I think works great, especially since it's a surprise too. A lot of people are like, whoa, whoa, okay, when they see, when you see the end. And uh, yeah, I guess you saw the end, you know, we'll, we'll try not to spoil that for anyone when we're sharing artwork for the for the Kickstarter. But um, yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun to write. It turned out beautifully. I'm excited for it to be in the anthology. Let's talk about the the uh, the upcoming Kickstarter because like the from our conversations in the past, the the primary thrust of a AWBW Kickstarter is to just get the book in folks' hands, you know, to to make it available. And we've we've talked previously about that relationship between a publisher, creator, and the audience, you know, cultivating an audience through Kickstarter. But I was wondering if we could talk about what um kind of the the parameters of the kickstarter what what it's going to be and uh maybe if there are some goodies that uh that you'd potentially like to talk about yeah we really streamline the process we don't do a lot of bells and whistles and things like that um i just thought it was confusing and didn't want to give too many like have to decide between this and that um it's an anthology we want people to read it we offer digital options if if people prefer it that way we offer the physical book, you know, that'll get shipped out to you. We do try to throw some things in there that it's worth backing the campaign. So without getting too complicated, we do a sticker of the logo, which is really cool. So on your screen, you know, people get their names in the back, which I know they like. Uh, We Mm -hmm. do a PDF where you get to see, which is just for Kickstarter backers, get to see some sketches, some process art, you know, layouts and things like that. So really invite people into the process by backing the Kickstarter. Then beyond that, you know, other than offering both volumes together, um, a book plate so they can get autographs, which I think, yeah. especially in the closed down world where there isn't as many conventions and signings, is a good way to get some autographs. You know, that, I mean, that's really it. We want somebody to feel yeah. like it, they, they got a special experience by backing the campaign, but it's not with a lot of things other than this is a great anthology, get it, 
read it, put a sticker on your notebook or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But that's, but that's about it, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, and, and again, it's it, it's just about uh, getting the book, supporting the book, supporting the publisher, supporting your friends. It's one of the things that I like about A Wave Blue World. I mean, like like we talked about before, kind of like that 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 family intimacy and kind of uh, community. And that's actually kind of what I wanted to talk about next, because I, I had a conversation recently with uh, with a different guest and we we talked about kickstarter a bit and one of the the challenges that they shared with me was growth in that like they've they've cultivated a core audience but Mm -hmm. they felt like they had almost kind of hit a wall in terms of reaching more folks new folks so like folks like me i'm in you know, so like uh, very similar to this, like, you know, uh, Tyler, you reach out to me and say, hey, man, we're doing a, a Kickstarter for Deadbeats 2. And I was like, I am there. Um, yeah. But I was wondering if we could talk about perhaps some uh, difficulties or overcoming challenges in reaching different audiences, especially now that we're kind of like in this this weird I, I keep trying to say post pandemic, but it, th- there's nothing quite post about it yet. But <laughs> as as the world has changed and is changing yet again, um, yeah, I just mm-hmm. thought we would talk for a minute about uh, uh, connecting with audiences. Yeah, well, I mean, what what you mentioned there is the real trick, right? There is this. It's it's easy enough to hit. Like you've got your first group, like a really. If you start making something, you got like twenty to fifty people that will support you right away. Then the next question is, all right, how do I get bigger than that? You know, when you're talking to the 500 to 1,000 people, that's sort of the next ceiling. And, and I feel like, you know, we've kind of, our Kickstarter has been fairly consistent. It's not like each one takes yeah. another leap or anything like that. Right, and, right. and I think I think that's fine to some degree. The first thing you want to do is you want to take very good care of that audience, right? Don't forget about them. Don't cheapen their experience at all. Don't like that meme where somebody's like looking at the other, the one girl, you know, that popular. Yeah, I know what you mean. Keep your eye on your audience, keep them happy. You know, that will eventually grow. Word of mouth will grow. You just keep building, you know, new opportunities will arise. Don't overextend yourself, you know, but if, you know, a new streaming thing comes up, you know, each Kickstarter, don't just, I mean, reach out to the people, just like I said, take care of your audience, reach out to the people who've been good to you before, yeah. but try to find that next podcast or that next, you know, yeah. now that we're, we're live streaming, you know, but just step, step by step as you make projects. And, you know, you look back and after five of them or whatever, you know, like, all right, well, that was a lot of work, but your audience will have grown. I mean, if you keep making sure your core audience stays satisfied they're spreading the word. It may take a little while, but it will start to snowball, you know, one layer at a time. You know, that would be my, my advice. There's a lot of content out there. Are you ever going to be the, the movie star? You know, are you ever going to, you know, unlikely. I mean, that's, that's the 10% or the 1%, but to that for a reason. Sure. Every once in a while, somebody becomes that person, but it's not, it's not going to be just gifted to you. You know, don't, don't be like, I saw, you know, I mean, whoever it is, you know, all of a sudden become a mega success. Yeah. Okay. We can't all be that person. You know, that's not, that's just us looking at somebody and, and thinking, I want to be Keanu Reeves or whoever. I don't even know how to yeah. throw out there. You know, 
yeah, yeah. In my age, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle guys. It's like, no, don't make comic books if you only want to be have this crazy success of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's just not for everybody. So you have to be satisfied with just a pretty strong audience that grows consistently. You know? And I would say that a wave blue world has done really well in that, in that the, the projects that you folks do serve that audience. But that being said, mm-hmm. you do different and experimental stuff. Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah, I mean, so like there's a, there's some really cool projects like, uh, because like a, a, a project that that's caught a lot of buzz on social media recently that, that I've been seeing is embodied and it's a, what I what I would consider to be a, a very different project from even the stuff that I've picked up uh, from a Wave Blue World. Like I'm a fan of your anthologies, but I've I've not really uh, messed around with a, with a, an anthology of uh, poetry and art before. So I thought let's talk about that project, and then you know we could talk about uh, Orphan King and some some of the other uh, yeah. uh, cool stuff that you've got going on as well. Yeah, no, I mean, we tried to do something that was that was different. I mean, that's part of it. I mean, much like we said, we'll do De- if Dead Beats resonates with our audience, we'll do we'll do a sequel, you know. But we're not just going to ride that, you know, to death. We're going to try to do new things as well. So, you know, we did embodied, and you know, there's the aforementioned Morgan Beam tapestry story, and mm-hmm. um, it, it's poetry and sequential art. You know, we didn't want to just do vignettes or illustrated poems. You know, that's been done before. We were like, let's take a poem and let's break it down into a story. It's not necessarily the exact interpretation of a poem, you know, but let's make a story from it. And so we got some great contemporary poets. Um, The theme, it's an intersectional feminist comics poetry anthology. Mm -hmm. It deals with the, the body. And we so we got collected poems about that. Uh, we got artists to work on it and said, let's come up with a story. You know, Wendy and I, you know, my wife was my uh, co-editor on it. She was really the spearhead of it. But, you know, and it was her network of poets because uh, she published she's published two books of poetry. Um, yeah, yeah. And she's she's got her novel coming out. Um, well, in a couple of years, just signed with a publisher. So she brings that side of it as well. And, and uh, yeah, so to speak back to the origins of it, we're like, well, what can we really do that's unique that only we can do as a publisher using our connections, our skills, and, and she knows poetry. You know, I know comics pretty well. And uh, right. yeah, it came together and it really turned out beautifully. Like we knew it was a bit of an experiment, so we weren't sure what we were in for, but it was pretty seamless. I mean, there's a lot of work, just like any anthology. Um, definitely had to wrap our minds around the like, how do you make a story out of each of these poems? Um, talk to the poet about it. We talked to the artist, made sure everybody was happy. But we also wanted the artist to bring a bit of themselves to it. Like, what do you feel when you read this? You know, don't yeah. worry too much about what the poet thought. Like, the poet's words are down on paper, right? Yeah. What story do you want to tell? You know, and we did that, and it was really neat. Um, really unique, a lot of great artwork in there. And we hope that, you know, one of the strengths is we're bringing comics to poetry readers and poetry to comics readers. But also we found that we got people that weren't familiar with both, just looked at it that was like really unique. You know, we had an edition out for independent bookstore day. So you had these people that are used to reading novels and short stories and stuff. They're like, I don't read comics or poetry, but something about this combination, you know, it's really accessible because it's told visually very clearly, 
the words, I mean, poet, one of the strengths of poetry is it's concise. It doesn't waste a lot of words. Sure, There's sure. a lot of impact in it. So, yeah, I thought I, it just turned out great. It's a really unique thing. And it's, it's yeah, on social media, but people who have been getting it have been just posting about it. We Every day we come on social media just to find someone we don't even know just posting about how much they loved it and, and getting yeah. it. So, really rewarding. Um, really happy it's out there. We're considering a sequel. We don't. We don't oh, want to just do the same thing again. But we don't know. We don't know what the twist. Do the twist on it. Somebody had mentioned maybe the artist should go first, like tell a story without any words, and the poet writes a poem to it to go with it. I don't know, or just do a different theme. Um, we're thinking about it, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what what a cool book, um, yeah. and it, uh, the cover art and the 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 whole packaging. I mean, it's just it's just a it, it's a very handsome book. Uh, congratulations on all the success with it. Yeah, thanks so much. And you know, Tim Daniel did the cover. So Dead, Dead Beats cover. I'm sorry, logo. Who did the Dead Beats logo as yeah. well? Claudia Iancielo did the cover, which is just gorgeous. I mean, we knew the cover was going to be important, but man, she just nailed it. And then all the creators in it. I can't. I mean, I wish I could list them all real fast, but just everybody did a beautiful job. So just super happy. Yeah. My name is Omatara James, and this is my poem, Half Girl, Then Elegy, from Embodied, a new comics poetry anthology from a wave blue world. Having fallen while no one was looking, having borne what fell through, having fallen early, Having barely fallen through myself, my luck so close to catching. Having caught the worst of it. Having fallen from the sky and then through it. Having landed to realize I had been part. Having parted the late sky, partly sky where I am delicate. I took a tumble through the night bloom. I took the night with me as I tumbled, delicate with the infinite, which swells from the tallest branch. Having grown swollen as low-hanging fruit, I tell Nedra I couldn't help it. The fresh heave of new breast, thick switch of hip, a group of unnamed gifts is called a steel. She says fruit you can reach is still precious. Her name means rare. Her lean thins towards the unusual. In Lagos, we name our girls darling, sincere, precious, because a name is a stake in the grave. Having grieved and taken and taken on the way to Eros Thanatos, having arrived late to my own bloom. Have me like a walnut. Pry the part of me that is hollow from the part that yields fruit.
and I had the opportunity to uh, you and Wendy did a uh, live stream with with a lot of uh, the creators of Embodied and the uh, the feels were flowing. That that was a that was a very I- emotional uh, conversation and and live stream. It was uh, it, it was an incredible watch and and I'll, uh, I'll I'll make sure and share it on on my stuff so folks can check it out. But like I was I I was enraptured. I really enjoyed that conversation. Oh, good. I know we really enjoyed it. You know, and we almost forgot we were streaming or yeah. or being recorded at all. So it's great to hear that reaction because sometimes when we're after, I was like. Oh, we really enjoyed that. I hope other people enjoyed listening to it as well. Yeah, it was great to hear. We got we got some of the poets and artists together for the first time. Some of the some of the creators we knew, but some we were meeting or seeing face to face. You know, I know it was virtually for the first time. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was fun to do that. And Embodied was a cool project to have have creators on for it. So and we're gonna do the same for Deadbeats too. Uh, not this week. But uh, next week and the week after that, we'll have some Deadbeats creators on to just talk about working on the book. We were chatting a little bit before we went live here. And it's interesting how the the world has changed over the last year or so. And now folks that are podcasters and comic creators are uh, are are dabbling into this uh the this live streaming and video streaming and you know communicating and reaching folks in a completely different way um so i i thought we would stop there for a second just kind of talk about a uh, wave blue world's experience uh, uh dealing with you know video platforms and and connecting with uh, uh with folks that way yeah you know I mean, something we're growing into we're doing a lot less conventions i mean certainly this past year or even store signings which can be tiring to do a lot of those so yeah. it's been a nice break in some ways and so we just use some of that energy to try to expand our reach on social media and through videos and streaming so you know slowly we're not gangbusters but we started to doing some things and you know if we're able to reach a bigger audience that I mean pandemic aside that maybe just are too far away to travel or we wouldn't go to a convention in that area I mean that's yeah. great um, it's a lot more egalitarian that way that we're not picking regions or, or anything like yeah. anybody can just get into the stream. So, I mean, that's the strength of it. So I think even as we start doing some conventions and store signings again, we'll definitely keep the stream up and just try to have a nice balance of, of reaching as many people that, that we can, you know? And like we, like we touched on, you know, it, it's, it's a whole new world. And the thing that's interesting is that even as the world changes, the things that will stay with us, like I think that kind of for, for lack of better term, zoom culture is something that's going to stick around because like, it's kind of cool. It's kind of fun. And, and, you know, you can, you can reach folks in a way that you never could before. Cause I mean, I, I know several publishers much like yourself that, you know, would, would be on that convention grind and just, you know, uh, you know, being on tour and going to the next show and, and, you know, that, that definitely has a place as well. And, I I know like so many other folks listening and watching are kind of eager to get back to that that human connection but mm-hmm. there's something about this type of access that we can enjoy here that's 
also pretty cool as as an accompaniment, maybe not as a, as a replacement. And I think that's where maybe some of the burnout is coming in. But as an accompaniment is really pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, there are advantages to both. There's strengths yeah. to both. I definitely want to go out and like see people, but of course, you're just limited to, you know, who's around you or where you can travel to, right? Um, and there could be people that, you know, love your work or or that you know you want to reach out to that just would be too much or impossible to go out and meet. So rather than just limit your audience to who's going to be at that convention, um, you know, it can be just broader. And then while you still like you'll really appreciate, you know, I think if we do less conventions and worry less about traveling, um, we'll have more energy, be more appreciative, especially yeah. after this year. Just so excited to see people again. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll still do them less and they'll be more special, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure we'll be happier too. Hopefully a little less glaze. I mean, sure. Sunday will still be Sunday where we're just like, <gasps> oh, whatever. But, but I mean, yeah, we'll just, hopefully a little sharper for, for those people who do come to the show. I couldn't move away from talking about uh, uh, videos and live streams uh, without talking about mom and pop comics talk. Uh, Cause yeah, those, yeah. those have been a lot of fun. Yeah. We really, we really dig it. We kind of came up with that name cause we were like, wanted to keep with the family theme and just, you know, there are other streams out there. So again, like what, what element do we bring, you know? And the one we just had was somebody interviewing us because we were in between anthologies and just mm-hmm. talking a little bit about being a couple, you know, married, having kids, running a company, you know, things like that. So we did the whole mom and pop, uh, especially bringing raising two daughters, you know, who are a part of it. We had them on there. So, yeah, you know, we'll keep it going. We'll, we'll have some creators on. We'll talk about, like, nuts and bolts stuff printing, um, distribution, you know, whatever, come, whatever comes up, you know, and just hopefully, you know, people can use it as a source too. If, if people are wondering about things, you know, hopefully rather than just have like answer tons of emails or things like that, if, if we can just put it online and, and it's on YouTube and you go find it, you know, uh, you know, it's there, it's a resource to, to help other people, hopefully. Mm-hmm. It's more of a personal, intimate connection. I, as as a fan of a wave blue world, I I dig it. So I, I think I think it's a, a really nice that you and Wendy welcome us, the audience and fans, into your home and give us insight into uh, stuff that's not necessarily comics. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, you know, we just want people to, I don't know, connect to it on some level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's some of the stuff that we spoke about earlier with regards to uh, the Kickstarter and the wave blue world community. And that's what it is. It's, it, it's a community and, and it's very much a, a family thing like you had uh, mentioned previously. Let's talk about some of the other exciting projects that a wave blue world has been doing recently. Like, you know, your book orphan King has been doing really well. The reaction to that, that first issue, has been a, a really solid, really good, and the second issue is uh, is now out on Comicsology with print to come, if I remember correctly. The book, yeah, the book's coming in August. Yeah, our method. I mean, we print like a single first issue. Here's the Orphan King number one, awesome cover by In Hyuk Lee. Yeah. Um, so what we try to do with the premiere edition is do something a little bit special for the number one, since it's the only um, print copy. You know, nice cover with a kind of, I don't know, a 
premier cover artist to use yeah. the term. Uh, we do some like back matter, some cool sketches, you know, things like that, you know, and then you yeah. get the full first issue as well. Mm-hmm. Then we serialize the issues digitally, like right away, you know, sort of, sort of binge spread it out every other week. And then within two months, like the orphan King graphic novel, the full book is in previews right now. You can order it, you know, so it's not spread out over a year or anything like that. You know, for those who do like to read issue by issue, you still can digitally, or you can just go from this to the book. I mean, I have a lot of number ones. You'll see like a number like back here. And if I like it, I'll just get the trade, you know, um, yeah. but it's not like you have to wait like a year between that. So we tried to speed that up a little bit. Um, and then, yes, yeah, as, as far as Orphan King itself, I mean, you know, I've been writing it. I work with James Boyle, the artist on it. It's a, I guess the best way to put it is a twist on the King Arthur myth. It's not actually King Arthur. I didn't want to copy it that exactly. But I mean, that's the best way to describe it, right? The kid goes and gets trained. The main trainee character is a combination of Merlin and Lady of the Avalon. You know, it's his mother's aunt. He goes and trains. But when he comes back, the kingdom isn't, you know, I don't want to spoil it too much here. It's not what he expected to come back to. There's no kingdom welcoming arms like you are the new king. You know, you have the sword and you are going to be, you know, you know, inherit the throne or whatever. Because right. um, I wanted to analyze this issue of birthright a little bit. and Why somebody is special because they're born into it. I mean, the great, because that's a theme. It's like, oh, no, he's the, the true heir. His father, you know, was this person or whatever. It's like. Okay, I mean that's all well and good, but what does does that really mean? He's fit to lead, yeah. you know. And so what happens instead is, you know, he's got his sword, but no kingdom, and now he's sort of cast adrift in this this country that he was supposed to rule. But now he's actually got to figure out who these people are, what it's like to rule, and of course, there's a price on his head too. So he's on the run. So you learn a lot about. You know, your kingdom, <laughs> your subjects, when uh, your life is at stake here. <laughs> right. So, um, so it's a coming of age sort of thing, you know, in that sense. Um, so it is a YA title. Uh, for it's, it's a little bit for a younger audience, but I think it's, it's something any someone any age can read, an adult, mm-hmm. anything like that. And then, yeah, it's, you know, really, really excited to have the full book out or have people read the whole story. And uh, it is, you know, just to let you know, it, you know, it doesn't conclude in that first one. The first arc definitely wraps up, but I hope, I hope it'll be a multi-volume adventure because I have a lot, a lot of things I can tell with this concept and adventures for the main character, Caden, um, to, to go on. So, yeah, you know, I hope to be working on it for a few years. So that being said, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying, I mean, do you want me to move on to the other things coming out this fall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's kind of talk about the slate and some other stuff that you're excited about. Yeah. So, I mean, Orphan Kid comes out in August. Deadbeats 2 will be out in September, which, you know, obviously people will see through the Kickstarter, but that's when it'll actually be out. Um, And then October, we've got another sequel, which also has the word dead in it, which is just a coincidence, especially since we don't do horror. Uh, right. Dead Legends is the martial arts. Yes. Event. Yeah, that's even. <laughs> really I am excited. stoked for Dead Legends too. I'm really excited for that. Uh, yeah, and the thing with our like publishing plan where we don't spread out the issues that much is that people have to wait a little bit longer for the sequel to come out because I want everything done. You know, all six issues are done. We're doing the publicity tour now. Comes out in October. Actually, August will be the first issue. Number one, premiere edition type thing will be out in August. Book comes out in October. 
you know, Yan and Red Death and on the whole cast of characters will be back. You know, they've got a baby. That's no spoiler. You see it on the cover. Yan had her daughter. You know, the first volume, she was getting revenge um, on her husband's killer. You know, as this widow, she entered the tournament and you find out that she's she's pregnant and now she's got the baby on the run with a cat with the, with all her friends. New villain. It's a lot of fun. The boys, you know, James Maddox and Gavin Smith really stepped it up. If you like the first one, you'll like this one even more. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's got its its core members, but I think we'll have uh, core, sorry, core audience and supporters. Yeah. But I think this new volume will really open up, reach new people, especially with things like, you know, you get the Mortal Kombat and the Cobra Kai have been this thing and some other martial arts TV shows. I think it's a genre that's really sort of opening up besides like the, you know, the core Kung Fu martial arts, you know, Bruce Lee type like fandom. So I think that's going to go really well. November, we end the year off with uh, Bloody Hell. I don't know how we end up getting so dark with these dead and bloody titles. But again, it's not like slasher flick. Uh, yeah, Bloody Hell yeah, is, yeah. is World War One meets uh, Vikings, you know? Okay. So this World War One private, you know, soldier kind of like been drafted in this war that he's he's no hero or warrior, just trying to stay alive, gets sent on this mission and uh, accidentally unleashes uh, these Viking gods um, from centuries back. There's the mythology, Loki and Odin and stuff like that. They had like um, cursed them to eternal life. So they couldn't enter Valhalla, but they ended up burying them. Well, he frees them. And so now you have these centuries-old Vikings with godlike power unleashed into World War One. And then this oh, wow. very green private who's like trying to like be like, hey, a little help, maybe? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like, free, we will conquer this world and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, World War? Uh, <laughs> you know? Help, help, help us, please. You know, yeah, yeah. So it's a really great combination of like a down to earth, like character that you can relate to, historical drama, World War One, and just full on Viking gods. You know, whether you like shows like like the Viking show on yeah. HBO or something like that, yeah, yeah. or Loki and Thor or yeah. something. It's got the mythology. It's got the historical element of it. Um, and then it just got this whole like dude in a war. What? Where am I? Please get me. Someone get me out of here alive. Type like thing. It's a great story. Uh, Clay McCormick wrote it and illustrated it. He's amazing. Um, just beautiful artwork. Um, if you get a chance to see it, I'm just excited. And that will cap off the year for us. And then we're already building into 2022. Can't talk too much about it, but we got sure. some sequels, more YA titles even some middle grade. So we're keeping up doing what we have been doing, but also expanding yeah. into new areas and uh, just really excited for where a wave of the world is going and hopefully where we're going in terms of this pandemic and, and yeah. hopefully people will be able to get outside and be healthy and safe, you know, and we can see people in person again, <laughs> you know, yes. next year. I know already a little bit, but you know, you know, yeah, well, and, and, and that's actually kind of what I wanted to close out on is that, you know, so we mentioned at the top that this has kind of become an annual tradition for us. You know, there there's a new AWBW Kickstarter uh, gives us an opportunity to catch up and and get connected. But 
this year more so than others in the past has uh you know it's it's changed a lot of things and a lot of folks and i i was wondering if you wouldn't mind touching on a bit just how how a wave blue world has navigated these i mean uh putting cliche aside these unprecedented times yeah well you know it was funny because when it came out in march you know there was a lot of questions about how bad would it be and how long would it last? You know, and I remember we were signed up for Emerald city comic-con in March heroes con in June. And, you know, Emerald city became, should we go? Shouldn't we go? Okay. We shouldn't, but heroes con in June, you know, by summer or whatever, we'll be fine. You know, New York comic-con in October, but it just kept on lasting. And, I think that our small size put us in a good position. We definitely dialed things back. You know, stores were closed. Diamond closed for a few weeks. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think we made the decision, like, that's okay. It's okay we don't go to conventions. It's okay we push books back a little bit. We'll keep things running. You know, the books that we had in the pipeline, we kept in the pipeline. Artists who were committed to books were able to keep working. You know, if they needed a little more time, that was fine. But if they wanted to keep working, we encouraged them to just keep pushing on through. Whatever you need to do to get yourself, you know, through it. You know, here with our family, you know, we, we quarantined and we took good care of ourselves and we, we gave ourselves what we needed. You know, and I hope everybody else was doing that as well. You know, and we tried to support the community as best we could. You know, I just really hope, even though we are isolated in some ways, you know, I just hope that we grew, you know, our bonds stronger in some ways. Uh, I know people keep talking about just can't wait to see each other again or convention. So I think there was that element of hope that's been driving us. And I know it's been a, a long road, you know, but I mean, that's that's just how it is, you know, so people have been keeping their spirits up and uh i do hope you know we're headed for for brighter days and and uh that this summer is a little bit better and next year we'll just continue to get better and we'll still be here you know no matter what i mean i don't like to say no matter what but it's going to take a lot it would take a lot to to shake us so we're here and we hope everybody else is and and we just want to like maintain this community and and be a part of it and and be supportive and, and stay together Absolutely. Absolutely. Very well said. Uh, uh, thank you for uh, uh, sharing that with us. Uh, the Kickstarter for Deadbeats 2 launches on June 1st. Uh, we have been talking with uh, Tyler Chintaner, uh, founder and co-publisher of Away Blue World, and uh, we always appreciate you taking the time. Uh, something I forgot to ask you earlier uh, when we were talking about the Deadbeats Kickstarter, I, I noticed your super boss Deadbeats t-shirt. You, you doing yeah. shirts for Deadbeats too? You know, it's not going to be part of the initial rewards. I've been thinking about it. You know, it's basically the same logo with just London calling. So yeah. maybe we'll take a survey and be like, do people want this shirt? What with the words London calling? You know, you can always add rewards. So maybe that's yeah. a good halfway point or something. Uh, we'll add we'll add the shirt reward if you, if people want it. So, you know. Uh, last question. Uh, one of one of my very one of my favorite things about a Wave Blue World Kickstarters is the videos that that you guys produce for uh, those Kickstarters. Uh, could you uh, uh, talk about what's going what's going to go into this video for uh, the Kickstarter for Deadbeats Two? 
Yes, well, we had a very special guest do a takeover of the video this time. I don't appear in it at all. It'll be the first Kickstarter video. I'm not there. Um, oh, wow. My 14 yeah, no, I didn't, uh, nope, didn't know, no audio, visual, or whatever. Um, let my kids do the takeover. They did the video. My 14-year-old starts us off, uh, introduces the concept, um, and then it's a pretty, it's a short video. We only make them like a minute long because, you know, people want to just move on. They know, they know what we're doing. And then my six-year-old makes an appearance at the end. So, you know, keeping with the family theme, uh, we got the uh, Chin Tanner girls uh, running the video this time. So I hope people will uh, check it out. Hey there, it's Moo, AKA Maddie Chin Tanner. I'm doing a takeover of A Wave Blue World to bring you Deadbeats 2, the sequel to our musical horror anthology. This time around, we're going to London. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate your support. Now show us the money. Mm-hmm. That that's terrific. I love it. I can't wait to check it out. I can't wait to check out the book again. Deadbeats Two: London Calling. The Kickstarter starts on June first. Uh, check it out. Uh, Tyler Chinchaner is always a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, before uh, before we part ways for this year. <laughs> Maybe we'll make it sooner before we uh, uh, connect again. But could you remind yeah. folks where they can find a Wave Blue World on the internet, um, and where we can connect with AWBW out on social medias, and where we can find you out on the out on the socials? Yeah, well, the website's the easiest because it's four letters: AWBW. You know, we got our abbreviation dot uh, com. Sorry, AWBW.com is our website. Social media is just a wave blue world. It is spelled out, but it's consistent. Mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, a wave blue world. Sorry, it's a bit of a pun of brave new world. <laughs> you just have to remember that bit. And then if you go on to Kickstarter, I think just typing in deadbeats, deadbeats two if you want, it, it, it'll it'll pop up for sure. Yeah. So, oh, and I'm Tyler Chintana, same thing. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tyler Chintana. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And again, we gotta do it again soon. Yeah, let's let's do it for sure. Can we do by we do it twice a year if you want? I'll, I'll have something to talk about in the fall. <laughs> you know what? You're on. Yeah. I, I'll well, all right, cool. Well, and that will wrap things up for this episode. Thank you so much for watching and for listening. And if you want to listen to my podcast, Mike Seibert Radio, and all of my past shows, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever the heck else you listen to your podcasts. And you can check out the full show archive out on SoundCloud five years and over 300 episodes worth of shows out there and join us again for another mike cyber radio podcast live stream we are streaming on twitter youtube twitch and facebook live like share rate and review the show let us know what you'd like and what you'd like to hear more of in the future for my guest tyler Chintaner, my name is mike this has been mike cyber radio and until next time make good choices You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSeibertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. 
Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out ByDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production. London calling to the faraway towns Now war is declared and battle come down Oh, London calling to the underworld Come out of the cupboard, you boys and girls Oh, London calling, now don't look to us If only Beatlemania is bitten the dust Oh, London calling, see we ain't got no swing Except for the ring, that truncheon thing Oh, the ass Age is coming, the sun's zooming in Meltdown expected, the wheat's growing thin Engines stop running, but I have no fear Cause London is drowning I, I live by the river London calling to the imitation zone Forget it, brother, you can go it alone Oh, London calling to the zombies of death Quit holding out and draw another breath Oh, London calling And I don't want to shout But while you were talking I saw you nodding out London calling See, we ain't got no high Except for the one with the yellowy eye Oh, the acid just coming The sun's zooming in Engines stop running, the wheat's growing thin, a nuclear error. But I have no fear, cause London is drowning. I, I live by the river. I live by the river. The sun's zooming in, engines stop running, the wheat's growing thin, a nuclear error. But I have no fear, cause London is drowning. I, I live by the river. Some of it was true, oh, London calling at the top of the dial. And after all this, won't you give me a smile? Oh.